Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. All this month we've been exploring the effect of the coronavirus lockdown on mental health. We've looked at data from researchers and the experiences of mental health practitioners on the ground. For this final podcast, we're getting a view from Flo Sharman about her personal experiences of dealing with mental health issues during the lockdown. Flo, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Gavin. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast today. I'm delighted to be here. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own history when it comes to mental health? So I am nearly 23 years old. I am very lucky to have lived in the beautiful countryside my whole life. I work in marketing, but first and foremost, I'm a mental health sufferer, a mental health campaigner and a very proud MQ ambassador. Um, I've suffered with mental illness since the age of just eight, eight years old. I actually had a severe mental breakdown when I was just eight. Um, and at the age of eight and a half, I was diagnosed with four mental illnesses, those being PTSD, OCD, panic attacks, and depression, and actually was nearly sectioned um, to a tier four clinic um, at that age. But my mother fought for this not to happen. And I'm very grateful she did, because if I'd have gone in there, I probably would have never left. Um, I was housebound for nearly two years. Um, and was in a very, very bad way and didn't really want to live. Um, and I was excluded from my primary school um, because of my mental illnesses. And this is kind of what drove me to become a campaigner and wanting to share my story and help inspire others and not let any other child go through what I went through because no child should lose their childhood just because of their mental illnesses. And I now know that my mental illnesses are with me for life. They're not gonna go away. There's unfortunately no magic cure for them. I will have them for life, but they don't define me to who I am today. They're just one small part of the jigsaw that makes me me. And actually now I'm incredibly proud to be a mental health sufferer. But if you'd have asked me five years ago, one, I wouldn't have done this podcast. And two, I would have been ashamed and embarrassed to say I had mental health because of the stigma that surrounds it to this day. There's certainly stigma, and I'm hoping that with some of the work we're doing, we can at least uh, uh, break through a little bit of that by talking uh, about it. We're going to get into the lockdown in a minute, but just before we do, how would you describe your mental health just before the pandemic started and before uh, the start of the first lockdown? So my mental health at that time was in a really great spot, actually. Um, everything was kind of falling into place for me with work and life and everything was really good. Um, OCD tendencies were very low. Um, panic attacks were hardly any. And I was in a really good mental state. I had really good routine daily and weekends and stuff. Um, so it was actually really good. And actually, I'm glad lockdown started when it did when I was in this very positive mental state, because if it had started when I wasn't in a positive mental state, I think my mental health would have got even worse than it actually did. So, so let's talk about the lockdown then. What, what effect has the lockdown had on your mental health? So when lockdown started, I was put on to furlough and I thought, right, I need to get a proper routine in place. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to have this routine. I'm going to do abs in the morning and work out. Um, do long dog walks like for me my 
mental health kind of therapies and what worked for me are fitness and walking. So I thought this is great. I can do so much of that at home and I can do lovely walks and it will be all fine, had this routine. And then after the first like two weeks of lockdown, my mental health was spiraling out of control and my OCD tendencies were getting worse and worse. And um, I'm not diagnosed with anorexia, but I have anorexic tendencies and thoughts. So to the point that my OCD was so bad that my fitness became actually not part of my therapy and the thing that helps me with my mental health was actually becoming a bad thing for my mental health because my OCD was making me so obsessed with working out. I literally had to work out four or five times a day for me to be able to eat and actually feel that I'd accomplished something, which obviously isn't the right thing to do at all. Um, but I thought I needed to do that. Um, and every single week, my mental illnesses were just spiraling, not knowing what was happening with lockdown, not knowing when things were going to change and open up, not having a proper routine. Um, and all the things that have always helped me with my mental illness taken away from me, that being the gym and going to see my horse at the stables. So yeah, my mental illnesses and mental health was spiraling um, at the start of lockdown and continued <laughs> to throughout it. So how have you dealt with some of the things that you've been talking about? So I'm incredibly lucky that I have, because I've suffered for so long, I really have a good toolbox that I call uh, my mental health kind of well-being toolbox. So I kind of thought, right, I need to snap out of being so obsessive. Um, so I said, right, I'm going to allow myself two workouts a day and one walk a day. And I just use the tools that I've always used. So doing yoga, doing my breath work and um, writing things down, having my mind occupied. Um, unfortunately, I also had a serious riding accident um, in the start of lockdown as well. So that didn't help the situation or my mental health, but I really had to um, delve deep into the tools that have always helped me with my mental illness. And luckily they did help a lot. So that for me is kind of going back to routine, using my breath work, um, talking is really, really helpful for me. So I'm very lucky I have an amazing mother and partner that I can talk and open up to. So they were kind of the things that I used, but I was lucky because I suffered for so long. I know the tools that help me so you've emphasised the fact that you're lucky because you you know the tools. I mean, by implication, you're thinking of other people who perhaps have suffered in lockdown who don't know some of those tools. Are you aware of people in that situation? Definitely. I think, you know, lots of people who have suffered with their mental health um, during lockdown. And I know friends that don't have you know, their mental health has suffered. They've felt depressed or down or upset and they've not had the tools to help with those the, with their mental health spiraling because they've never d d had mental illness or mental health problems in the past. So I think for me, it's really important to get those tools. Having a toolbox that you can use when your mental health spirals is absolutely key. And I think so many people don't have it um, because before lockdown, they may have never experienced any mental health problems or mental health spiraling out of control. And what about professional support and interventions? Have you had uh, that kind of level of support during the lockdown that's, that's helped you? So I haven't 
I didn't have it directly because of my mental illnesses, but because of my head injury and due to my riding accident, I did have a met an amazing lady who's actually a neurophysio. Um, but she was just for me really lifted my spirits and talking to her. And again, it's back to that talking thing. Talking is the most simple thing. We do it every single day. But talking and talking about situations and what you're going through to someone who you're not living with or isn't a friend or a family is so helpful and can help your mental health so much. And it's what helped me and kind of saved me on lots of occasions. So I did have intervention that way, but that was privately and it wasn't through um, NHS or anything like that. And has there been any additional support that you would have liked to have had, but that just isn't available at the moment? So for me, I think when I, at the beginning of um, when I had my riding accident and my and lockdown, I did go into a mental health crisis and we did call out for the crisis team. Um, and even when I was in mental health crisis point, it was going to be a four month to six month wait to actually speak to someone. And that's, that's not right. You know, you should be able to speak to someone straight away, even if they're not a trained psychologist or psychiatrist, even just a nurse, a mental health nurse. And I think that's what needs to change, having quick availability very quickly, not, not a waiting time of four months to six months. And also, um, I rave about hypnotherapy. I used it, what helped me with my mental breakdown, and I'm actually having it again at the moment. Um, and I think that is a tool that should be available to so many more people than it is at the moment. And this delay for uh, appointment with a crisis team, is that specifically related to restrictions in uh, coronavirus lockdown, or is that simply because it's a service that's underfunded and, and there's always a, a delay? There's always a delay. And um, I remember three years ago when I hit crisis point again, um, was in a really bad suicidal spot, very depressed. And um, the wait time was even longer. It was, I think, six to eight months. Um, and it's just because purely of underfunding and understaffing. And it, it's, you know, you cannot, when you're at crisis point, you cannot wait that long. You know, every day is difficult. You need that intervention straight away. I'm very fortunate that I can get that intervention privately but so many people can't and you know you can't wait that long when you're in mental health crisis you need that support and help straight away and as quickly as possible. Now I can see that thinking back to the lockdown uh, it, it now looks as if the lockdown is going to end at some stage in the coming next few weeks which is great news. How will the easing of the lockdown restrictions and a, and a return to some kind of normality affect your mental health, do you think? I think it's definitely going to affect me. For me, change I find incredibly difficult. And, you know, we've been in this lockdown a year now, so we're so kind of used to it and living how we're living at the moment that, you know, with normality, it's great that it's coming back and I am excited for things to start opening up, but I am also worried and anxious and I think... I know for me that my anxiety will probably creep up more and um, being anxious surrounded by other people because we haven't been around those people and going to new places. Um, and I'm just going to have to use the tools that I know to help me in those situations. But I am nervous about the opening up and I think lots of people will be not, you know, people who don't suffer from mental illnesses, I think will be nervous and anxious about the, the change and the normality coming back. That's really interesting. I guess from an outsider perspective, 
uh, I would have thought that going back to normal would be to ease off from a, a series of stress, but it's actually the, the change, which is something that's going to cause stress, uh, and I hadn't quite appreciated that. So it's, it's actually that that sense of doing something different and, and life changing again that, that's a, a cause of uh, anxiety. Definitely. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't like change. You know, it's we had a year ago, we had changed like into the bad the whole year of lockdown. And now we're going into back to the so-called normality. Um, it's going to it is going to be anxious and terrifying for lots of people. And um, I know lots of people feel that way. Most, a lot of my friends feel that way and they, and they don't suffer from mental health problems. So I don't think it's just people who are suffering with mental health. And. Um, he will be experiencing a bit of anxiety with the normality coming back. So what are the lessons that, uh, that from your experience should then feed into decisions about mental health provision? Uh, what would you like providers to do? What would you like to see the government do? For me, and this is, stems back from when I had my mental breakdown, education is key. Having support in schools in universities um, not only for the pupils but also for the teachers to spot those early signs for me it is key that the symptoms of mental health is mental illness and mental health are spotted early before they spiral out of control and I think if there was education in place and people understanding exactly what mental health is. Mental health is just as important as physical health. It's no different and it should be treated and looked at exactly the same as physical health. I have two rare physical illness problems. So I know mental illness and physical illness and how physical illness is looked at compared to mental illness. They should be treated the same and that's what government need to do. We need to get society to treat them exactly the same. They're no different. And I also, it is key to get those more funding into crisis support teams and be able to, when you're in crisis, you know that you can pick up that phone and you are gonna get support within a week or two, not six months. And that is key for me. And certainly the, the, the crisis is very easy to understand. Let me take you back to the other point you made about early detection in schools and colleges and so on. What, what do you have in mind? What does that look like? What, who would be doing that detecting and how would that process work if it was organised better than it is now? For me, I think teachers, teachers need to have and, you know, teaching assistants and I'm talking from, you know, having um, teachers in all schools from primary school, teaching people, it's key, having that understanding surrounding mental health and mental illness. When I had my mental breakdown, I had no idea what mental illness was and what it looked like. So I couldn't spot those signs that I was dealing with. Um, so it's for me, teachers having greater understanding and training of how to spot those signs or differences in pupils. And also the pupils being able to spot their friends if they're suffering or if they feel they're suffering, they can spot what their friends are feeling. Um, so it's the teachers teaching assistance and in university, you know, partial care um, team, um, and just having much greater understanding. There is very little teaching in place for understanding of mental illnesses and mental health. And we have to look after our mental health just as much as we have to look after our physical health. And it needs to be in schools, universities, colleges, everywhere, and in workplaces as well. Um, it's so important. 
and that's probably a great place to finish. Uh, Flo Sharman, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Flo Sharman. The issue of the effect of the coronavirus lockdown on the mental health of children and young people was the subject of a webinar held by the Foundation on the 24th of March. A recording of that webinar, details of all our events, our blogs and all previous editions of this podcast can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. The podcast is taking a break next week because of the Easter holiday, but we will be back on the 8th of April when my guest will be Antoine Verne and we'll be discussing how to govern the internet.